Bam! We bought a Joe! We bought a... What is a mic? We... We bought... Bought a mic. Some deceased votes. We... Bought... A Cy Abelman! Democracy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast with a chill catch-up episode this week. No big review, no big topic, but we could break the news to people. There might be people who do not observe content outside of ours, and they were be- <laughs> waiting patiently Brian to figure no out idea what who uh, the election figure out are. who won this election. We were we were on pins and needles last week as we record this podcast. Well, and as we know, it's it, I mean we're recording this on November 11th, and we still don't know who the winner is. <laughs> yes, <laughs> if we're only paying attention to Donald Trump's tweets, yeah. What else? Well, I mean, if we're paying attention to Donald Trump's tweets, then he won. Right, right. He won re-election. His his cabinet has already said that they are ready to make the transition, a smooth transition to a second Donald Trump term. Yes, yes. Um, Grandpa Joe did it. mm, He fucking did it. Sleepy Joe. We're going to get into all that, uh, plus a secret game that... uh, Drew has cooked up. You're going to want to stick around for this, guys. I have concocted what I think is one of the best ideas that my tiny little brain has ever had in my life. And I'm very excited for this. It it is. I am pitting you two against each other for this game. Oh, it's one of those. Is there a prize? No. Oh. But you want to win. I know you do. Because you don't want to embarrass yourself in front of millions. Was that a fart? No, it was the it was the the wine glass. I like skidded it on the table and it made a little noise. Oh, but don't this, worry, farts will come. This episode is brought to you by the TCM Wine Club. No one out pizzas this TCM <laughs> Wine Club. Whenever I'm sitting around looking at MSNBC, flipping between CNN and Fox News, all I can think about is, hmm, I'm hungry for some delivery. Hmm. Pepperoni, peppers. Yeah. Goes great with my TCM wine club. It is delivery. It's TCM wine club. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast. I'm Ernest. I am no longer watching the polls, but I am feverishly uh, refreshing my Twitter feed for the links to those PS5s. Uh, Hunter. And I'm Drew. And I, this is probably not the time or the place, but... I think people might want an update on whether or not I'm in first place in both of my fantasy football leagues right now. And I am. Um, so that's that's the update there. Might never happen again. Might not amount to anything. But as of now, I'm happy. Hey, you know what? I, I actually, if you are interested in uh, having a good regular season, I could uh, show you some examples. Like, I, I think that you should study the 2007 Patriots playbook for how to finish mm-hmm. the season how to, how to end things. Yeah. Yeah. In this... Uh, in this parallel, you are Eli Manning, Hunter. Yeah. You will be my downfall, and I know it. <laughs> anyway. A lot um, of people have said I look a lot like we, Eli, which is a good, nice way of oh, saying that you're ugly. No, it just means you look like a baby with a helmet on. Oh. <laughs> um, that's what I meant when I said it. <laughs> we do have to start with the, the sad news, though, because... The, the saddest news. Yeah. Yeah. I know that... You know, we just lost Sean Connery and we just had an election and so many people have died. Hundreds of thousands of people have died of COVID. But in any other year, 
this would be like one of the biggest losses to sort of drop on culture. And it for I mean, for a lot of people specifically, it is like this mm-hmm. is still hitting me every day whenever I remember that Alex Trebek has passed away. Rip, dude. I, you know, I truly and profoundly saddened by it. Um, it's, I mean, we knew it was coming. Yeah. He had what? But pancreatic cancer. Yeah, he, he had stage, stage four. four. He, um, you know, he went on. He later would say, like, I wish that I had known because obviously he has access to the best healthcare, but he just didn't get that checked on specifically. Um, so it's been about a year since we've known this. We knew that things, you know, and he's an old man, 80 years old. That's a full life. He, he lived an unbelievable life. Um, he lived probably exactly the life that he wanted. He had, he had been a, a TV host since he was, I think 23 and Holy yeah, he hosted shit. like a, a very like groovy, like music show in Canada. He is a Canadian. Uh, he, he was he's just incredible. Alex Trebek was a, a fucking mountain of a man. Uh, he what genuinely I hate to say this, but his death hits me harder than uh, both of my grandpas that have died. Like I mean, it gen- he-, he he was a presence in my life every single exactly. day, mm-hmm. every weeknight for 10 years. I watched Jeopardy when I was a kid. Uh, it was the only show I was allowed to watch <laughs> Arthur and Jeopardy. This is known. Yeah. Yeah. Can't well, bam cannon. I um, mean, it is, you are right though, that like, even though we knew that this was coming, like he was, he was diagnosed. Yeah. You're about, you're right. It was something like a year ago and Pretty much like doctors and everything came out and were just like, you have like six months to a year to live. Oh. Like, that's kind of it. And I mean, he was kind of pushing and he kept that. working and he worked throughout this entire time in between receiving treatments. He was still hosting Jeopardy and you could just count on seeing his face. Five he times still a looked week. great. He didn't look sickly. Yeah, I it's it really is just like such a hard death, especially because. His death was the day after the election got called. So it was just like everybody is like having this overwhelming feeling of jubilation. And then it's just kind of like this huge punch in the gut. Yeah. That immediately right back down to earth. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's going to be missed. He is the goat. Like there's no one, especially because game shows are already a dying medium anyways. But he is untouchable. Well, tr- traditional game shows. There are still game shows, but they have all these bells and whistles. The beauty of Jeopardy is its simplicity, mm-hmm. right? It's just, just trivia. It's just straight up. What is the facts? What are the answers? Mm-hmm. What are the questions? Like that's it's there's no water being poured on people. There's no <laughs> slime and guts. And yeah. There's a place for fun in game shows, but not on fucking Jeopardy. But he did have fun. That's the thing. Well, the thing the thing with his fun is that he was he was so mean to people in a very like, funny way. He just he was so uh, rightfully condescending toward dorks mm-hmm. for years and years. No one could pull it off quite like he could, um, where it almost would remind you of uh, the weakest link lady, the original one, when she would kind of do like little interviews with the contestants just to be really mean to them, except he would do it. And it almost seemed like an accident because he just truly was better than these people. So like his, his most common response to someone's little anecdote, which was always awful because these are people who don't live lives. They (laughs) like learn things. He would say, good for you. And then he would move on. (laughs) 
He's just incredible. Except for a few that have been making their rounds on Twitter. My two favorite moments from Trebek and just kind of showcasing the humor that he has is, of course, when uh, a female contestant. I think this episode is actually on Netflix right now uh, where she says that she makes uh, nerdcore hip hop music. Just like, yeah, a lot of people like it. And she's just like, losers. (laughs) Losers. (laughs) That one's great. And then there's another one where there's a whole category devoted to football. And and they don't get any of them. Nobody gets a single question for it. Nerds. Mm. And like he, the last one is like actually a more difficult football question. And Trebek has like a line where he's just like, if you guys get this one, I will die. And they got it, and then he, uh, no, no, just kidding. They did not get it. Um, another thing I really loved about Alex is he loved Jeopardy. He he loved when it was a good game, and he was very disappointed when it was a bad game of Jeopardy, mm-hmm. and no contestant really separated themselves, and it was just a low-scoring game. He, ex- he, like, he expressed audible disappointment in those games, just like a viewer would, because he was a fan of the show. Um, you know, it's, it's well-cataloged that he... Uh, like this was under no direction from anyone else, but he would take the uh, Jeopardy contestant quiz every single year just to make sure that he still knew everything on Earth. And he still does, you know, he it, until the end, he truly he wasn't just walking the walk. And when when contestants would get on these runs, right, when they'd start winning mm. a, a few in a run, like the the stuff that you see on Netflix, these champion runs, um he roots for them. Yeah. You see it in like each episode, he gets like invested in them getting another one and another one and another one. And it's not, he's not just coasting decades into this job. He's genuinely invested. Yeah. And you don't see, I mean, you, I, there are television personalities yeah, who are generally invested, but think, think about Pat Sajak though. That man. Mm-hmm. First of all, Wheel of Fortune is a bad show. But second of all, he hasn't given a shit about that show in my whole life. He doesn't have to. Yeah. And well, because also, why would you? I guess? Exactly. Unless there was a really special contestant. That show is like a crossword puzzle. Tre- but Trebek, with like chance. Yeah. Trebek could easily just like phone it in and the show would essentially be structurally the exact yeah, same thing. Yeah, because he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to know the answers to this, like what he's posing out or there. Or like, care just, if people yeah. get him right. Yeah. He doesn't have to do like outlandish accents whenever a <laughs> French or Italian word comes he up. He gets Wait, so excited yeah, every you, time. You bet your fucking ass he does. I... Another thing that I will say is that I am glad. Of course, Ken Jennings is the best contestant of all time on Jeopardy. I think that that's not really up for debate, but I am glad that we were able to have one more incredible run, incredible all time run with James Holtzauer. Yeah, and, and not to mention the goat tournament, the goat tournament, which was excellent, really, really great. It the was fact really, that it got pushed yeah. to be on network television so that everyone could see it was, it, it was, it was, yeah, it was time. very, I don't know like what the dealings were there, but it was just moved to another major network. It was on ABC <laughs> for some reason. And it was very well put together. And like, you know, there was a lot more leeway to have fun. And Alex got in on that uh, with mm-hmm. banter between the contestants. I, I just I love him. He's he's a grandpa. He's w- like very withholding, but he rewards mm. uh, he rewards what he believes to be like good gamesmanship. May we all hope to end our lives as legendary as Trebek ended his just unlike anybody else. Like uh, that's yeah. how you want to go the out. Great, yeah. The greatest game show host of all time and one of the greatest 
TV personalities of all time, along with like Regis Philbin. R.I.P. R.I.P. Speaking of grandpas, mm-hmm. we had a, a, a little grandpa competition <laughs> in the United States. World's world's best grandpa. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, as as Mulaney put it in his SNL monologue, an elderly man contest mm-hmm. uh, where you choose which elderly man you want. We either get a new elderly man or we keep the current elderly man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, not not a huge fan of this newest Mulaney SNL. I think a little bit of diminishing returns there. Still good to see him. Haven't seen it. Uh, but um, I haven't watched any SNL this season. I kind of am out until yeah, it's... Colin Jost is gone. <laughs> <laughs> Colin oh, Jost he's is the head, head writer. writer. That's yeah. right. I, it's just I. It's been diminishing returns for a very long time. Guys, Donald Trump is out, and Joe Biden is the next president of the United States, barring. How true is that <laughs> statement? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Barring civil war, which is inevitable at this point. How but. do we feel about that? And how truthful is that statement? <laughs> um, I was, it, I mean, it was a roller coaster watching results pour in, even though, uh, as has been mentioned by, by other, I don't remember who, but like maybe Simmons or somebody, it really didn't need to be, but the news networks had a vested interest in making us think that it was all up in the air, even though, uh, they had a pretty solid understanding of the fact that absentee ballots were going to come into play and they were going to lean heavy Democrat. They Um, wanted to dramatize it. Yeah. And which I, you know, I'd heard like here and there, but when you're watching everything come in Trump, that is not what's on the top of your brain. What's on the top of your brain is apocalypse. Exactly. Um, But nevertheless, you know, as the days went on, that's exactly what happened. This had been called by many people who have their finger on the pulse because the so-called red mirage. Yeah, because uh, Republicans specifically uh, pushed for legislation in certain states, uh, particularly swing states, that makes it so you have to count absentee ballots late because it (laughs) sort of primes the country for a disputed election when it doesn't need to be disputed. Mm -hmm. If these had all been counted, Along with the rest of the votes, like they very easily could be, like or they, before, like it happened here in Florida. Yeah, Florida, yeah. it would have been counted. Over. They counted the ballots as they came in. Yeah, and we have a Republican-controlled uh, state legislature, so it can't be done. Um, it's just ve- it varies so much from state to state. We we essentially have fifty different elections at once. You know, it's not just one election. Each state has their own process and their own rules. And when it's something as as heated as what we just experienced and as contested and as close, it can turn into chaos extremely easily. So, I mean, part of the problem with this whole thing being state to state and how they count their votes I uh, like part of me wants to give it a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because uh, prior to this year, absentee ballots were a fraction of the person like that was just a couple percentage points. That was nothing. It was only this year during a pandemic that absentee ballots and mail in ballots actually came to play such a huge part. Granted, um, this pandemic started uh, seven months ago, so they had plenty of time to fucking prepare for this thing to actually <laughs> like, yeah, change their th- rules around so they mm-hmm. could have it. You are right though about how 
CNN and MSNBC and Fox News and wherever else uh, you were following the results come in, this is like the biggest sweepstakes for them. They only get this kind of bump once every four years. Mm-hmm. Really? I mean, I guess two years. There's a little bit for some of the yeah, but are you watching, races and stuff. Watching they, news. You are watching news for a week straight. Yeah. This they were milking it for everything they had. Yeah. And. Honestly, I wish that I was up super late on Tuesday night because I have seen a lot. You know, I am the resident gambler of the podcast. A lot of people were talking about in some overseas markets and some stuff that you can bet legally in certain states or illegally. Um, Joe Biden became an underdog at one point. And at some places he was at plus 225, meaning you bet 100, you get $225 back. Some places that went all the way up to 425. Hell yeah. So there's somebody who is like a fucking millionaire now. But you had they to place the bet during those odds. Yeah, you had to place them yeah. while they were those odds. While that first wave came in and Florida went red and all Texas, these other states, yeah. Texas got called red. I think that that was the moment whenever Texas got actually called, that was whenever the odds really spiked up. Yeah, it looked But like if shit. you listen to experts, experts were like, everybody calm down. We haven't even gotten to the West Coast yet, and a lot of people are saying that Georgia is going to go blue. You're sounding like John King right now. My nipples are getting hard. <laughs> um, if you play this podcast episode on 1.75 times speed, then Hunter would sound like John King. <laughs> that man was tweaking for a week straight. Him and Steve Kornacki. Dude, dude okay, Kornacki who, is my king. Yeah. Who takes the, the, the belt? Uh, I say Kornacki. Kornacki's been doing this for fucking years now. And Kornacki was, I mean, he did a better job. John King had a lot more hours logged, though. John King was the only thing (laughs) that CNN had booked for certain days. It was just him and Wolf. He did have days. And how many? And Wolf sucks. He had to find so so many different ways to, like, say the exact same thing over and over again. That was really impressive. Yeah, he nailed it. Yeah. He nailed it. He, yeah. He did a solid job because like you said, he I mean, there's a lot of juggling to be done when, you know, like all you're getting is a thousand votes coming in here and there. And he has to break down, you know, he he, he became one with the fucking with the touchscreen. It was like how I imagine certain toddlers are with iPads because it's just all yeah. they've used their whole life where they're just like <laughs> geniuses at it. You I, could call it uh, Kornacki-esque. <laughs> We'll see. Kornacki was definitely more entertaining because John King is just like a motor mouth. Like he was just going and going and going, really not like emphasizing any particular point. Just going like, yeah, I mean, this is why we like the election, folks, because we don't know where it's going to go. This is very entertaining for us. You know, I I do think that King did a good job at reassuring people that there was some normalcy in the chaos that we knew that this election was going to be this. That was what he did the best job of because for the first couple of days, he was trying to maintain a a more centrist perspective on things because, you know, the CNN is supposed to be that type of network. Right. Um, Of course they're not totally, but he, he was like, you know, I'm not saying either way. Like, I'm not I'm not rooting for either side. I'm just saying that, like, this could go this way. It could go that way. This this would be bad for Trump. This would be good for him, etc. Uh, but once uh, the, you know, inevitable claims of of uh, fraud came out and like, you know, Trump and Republicans were pushing this so hard. That's when he got like really pissy. Yeah. <laughs> and it was really fun to watch him being like actively mad. Uh, yeah. After all those days of being like staying dead in the middle, he was like, I don't know what they're talking about. This is nonsense. So well, it's funny because even so I was kind of just flipping around just because I wanted to see what 
kind of the different ways that people were saying that Biden won across different networks. So I was even going over to Fox News to see stuff. And even some people on Fox News were getting mad at Donald Trump criticizing the sanctity of the election process because the whole thing, like the classic Republican conservative idea is constitutionalism it's just all like this is how we do things because this was written over 300 years ago and this is the process and this is what we do and this is sacred and nothing can mess with this and when even if it is a republican person who's working against that and saying that this isn't fair then they lean back a little bit on what their classical values well also i mean it's it's the start of you know rewriting history a bit because Fox News hated Donald Trump until he was elected. They Mm -hmm. actively did not like him. They treated him like a joke because he was a joke until he was elected and then became the Trump network. Uh, Rupert Murdoch, there are already a lot of signs that this is happening, is pulling away from Trump. And he obviously runs Fox. Uh, And he is in, in certain ways, he is like leveraging his power in the media to like get Trump out because he realizes it is no longer a winning strategy for him to support Trump just staying in the White House and being like, no, I'm not leaving. That doesn't yeah. work anymore. So uh, it's all over. I'm happy about it. I, so let's 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 talk a little bit about Saturday, right? Because last time we recorded a podcast, we were still in the depths of uncertainty. I mean, it, it, it was going in Biden's direction. We all knew that that was the most likely scenario, but it didn't get called by all the networks until Saturday. Um, Which, by the way, those those days that we've just been discussing, you know, Tuesday through Saturday, some of the most stressful moments of my life just fried on fucking CNN and MSNBC. I've, I've never watched so much fucking cable news in my life. Also watching a lot of uh, Hassan uh, Piker at Hassan Abi on Twitch. His stream hit over 200,000 simultaneous viewers at one point. Yeah. He, I mean, he's been doing super long Twitch streams for months now. And now like New York times just wrote a profile on him because he he blew up. He Mm -hmm. did 16 hours straight on election day. And then during this kind of elongated multi-day election process, he was a, a little bit of, of a guiding force for me when I was feeling extremely fried on Kornacki and King. I, I love those guys, uh, you know, would do unspeakable things for them, but you got to call it, you got to call it at a certain mm. point, you know, yeah, I know you want to get in between a Kornacki King sandwich. <laughs> mm. So Saturday comes, um, we knew it was coming and when it gets called, I was working, I was at a shoot, I was taking some some photos and videos of a, of a project that we were doing, and I was like, oh, cool, it's official, it's done, it's over, it's game, baby. Um, and I got extremely happy when I saw the New York Times call it, because that's when I knew a little bit more uh, surely, uh, just because that's the outlet that I like to follow the most. And then I started seeing the images come in of people around the world in extreme celebration of the defeat of Donald Trump. And that's when it sort of started to pick up steam throughout the day. Like this buildup, the people taking to the streets, which by the way, the whole time I was thinking like, guys, there's still a pandemic. Mm. There's still a pandemic. (laughs) 
worse than ever. When you see the scenes of Washington, D.C. and L.A. where people are just all crowded together on the streets. Yeah, my 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 brother was in D.C. sending me videos of people just getting absolutely lit dancing in the streets. I was like, OK, 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 OK. Um, <laughs> how did you guys feel the 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 day it was called as sort of the the national mood started to swell up? Um, of course I was elated. Um, I drove past, we all, uh, somehow independently of each other drove past, uh, the same, like mountain of uh, Trump people who are waving their Trump flags and protesting vote counting in Florida. Keep in mind that uh, Florida, it's already called baby. Like there's, <laughs> you can put down your flags. No go somewhere else. Shit like, here. Yeah, it's fine. Um, but I saw that. Um, and I was just ecstatic throughout the day. I, uh, there's a house that is near where we are recording this podcast and they put up uh, shitty cardboard signs that say things like uh, here's what to tell a police officer when they tell you to put a mask on and um, <laughs> like they had they kept going crazy posting more signs out about fake votes and everything else um, this is a nice Winter Park Florida house by the way that they are just destroying their property value by just putting cardboard signs up outside their door but anyways um me and my girlfriend drove past the car. We uh, pulled up right by their house. I rolled down the window and said, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, Get fucked. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was not alone because there was another car who like honked at them. <laughs> so that was great. It uh, was I know there's some people on uh, Twitter who are just like, we need to let the other side grieve right now. It's like, no, fuck you. Well, I remember 2016. Yeah. The only people saying that are Republicans. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's nonsense. Uh, we don't need to do that at all. Uh, I was obviously stoked on that fateful day uh i like smart money had been on biden's side for a couple days at that point so i had been like reasonably sure that he was going to win um like even a, even a day or two after election day though i was still pretty sure trump was going to win and i had been the whole year like since biden won the nomination i was like well he's gonna fuck this up his he ran a good campaign mm -hmm. his it's like like weekend at bernie style <laughs> he was he was propped up uh and given the tools to succeed by a very, very sharp, smart campaign, like just infinitely better than uh, Hillary's was run strategy wise. Yeah. Um, like he he picked the right states to target. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, the Senate still is coming down to certain Georgia runoff, baby. Yeah. Runoff elections. Um, we might take this pot on the on the road. Yeah. Uh, shouts. By the way, shouts to progressives in Georgia who uh, Stacey Abrams, Stacey Abrams, Stacey Abrams and also, yeah, people. Amazing. A lot of uh, women, even more progressive than her, who fought really hard to register voters when the process in states like Georgia is absolutely insane. Um, also, it's Keisha Lance Bottoms too, mayor of yeah. Atlanta. Well, Very and important for that. Also, shouts to the the Democratic platform in general for realizing that absentee ballots are a tool to circumvent one of the two sources of voter suppression, which is uh, the actual physical act of voting, which yeah. is made very difficult in southern states. Uh, that's what happened in Texas, for example. It, it's just it's hard to even if you're registered, which is the other source of voter suppression, making it hard to register. Uh, it can be unbelievably hard to find a polling location in your area, like to especially to find one that doesn't have a line that's like hours and hours long, which does deter people for good reason if they have fucking jobs. Uh, and so 
absentee ballots to me are a tool to be used in the future as well. So at the end of Saturday, um, you know, I, I, I didn't go out and celebrate just because I didn't want to catch the virus, but I still had a little celebration here, made a little key lime pie, ran around the house holding my American flag, flying it, waving it around, feeling good to be an American again, feeling proud of this country and what we've achieved. Um, and really like thinking about and and, and this feeling is going to keep evolving and, and growing and shifting as you know, Biden actually takes office and, and we move away from the Trump era, but really taking into account like the toll that the last four years have had. It's and been it's been rough, man. We don't we don't understand it when we're in it. But now that we're finally starting to step out of it, it, it starts to fall a little bit more into focus just how taxing it's been. Mm-hmm. It started to just become normal how uh, nightmarish it was to think like what awful thing was going to happen today. Exactly. The The way that that manifested for me was um, realizing that I was actually happy for Joe Biden to be president. When, right. When I Fucking when Joe I Biden. yeah, when I effectively don't like the man, <laughs> I don't like his politics. I don't like Kamala Harris's politics. They have long histories of, of voting records that I don't like. Yep. But even the things, first of all, his campaign smartly pushed a little left. Uh, that was also helped by the progressive movement, by people like Bernie being in the primaries. He was pushed left. And, and he can be continued to and be we, pushed And yeah, left. we got to keep pushing yep. that shit left because he, like you said on Twitter, he has the potential to be in practice one of the more uh progressive presidents ever even if as a man he's not remotely progressive Mm -hmm. he just has to surround himself with the right people exactly it's about staying away from the john Kasichs of the world yeah Um, exactly and uh like like realizing the like direct tangible policy changes that are going to happen immediately when he enters office just made me very happy even though i'm you know like i said not a big fan it's gonna be night and day how great was it for him to just say like day one all right we're we're bringing back daca we're also we're joining the paris rejoining (laughs) yeah we're getting rid of the the muslim ban yeah like we're just doing the bare minimum that's all that joe has to do is the bare minimum so for me that realization about um kind of realizing how insane uh the last four years has been because you're right i have it's not quite Stockholm syndrome, but it's kind of just a like an acceptance of like, well, yeah, this is the world it. that we're in um, was during the uh, victory speeches that they had, yes. um, which I like legitimately teared up during the speeches, dude, I during both Kamala Harris's and Joe Biden's. And I once again, I am much more left than either of these people. I do not like them. Never. I did not vote or support either of them during the primaries, but just having them go up on stage and like be coherent. Yeah. Right. Well, and just not, not just be that. angry Yeah. or, and, and speak in complete sentences yeah, because I, I hate, like, I usually hate this sentiment of that, that a lot of liberals have had of just like, I just want a president who's like presidential again. Like, I, I really hate that vibe because it leads you to vote for like Pete Buttigieg or whoever the fuck. Well, I think I think there is because of how awful this year has been with the pandemic and the civil unrest and, and social, you know, protests and everything. I think that there is something to be said about just 
sticking to the hits just play the yeah. hits well that's what yeah that's what i was gonna say is like regardless of what i think of that we needed that right now exactly uh, like it it plays well it it clearly did the man won by a shitload of votes not that that matters yeah <laughs> um but yeah we we should wrap up the election thing but uh, um, let me let me just say one more thing about the speeches because i did also have a severe reaction just because Again, the buildup of it, the 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 dragging it on for days. Mm-hmm. I I didn't realize like how emotional I was going to get seeing these victory speeches. And, you know, maybe I'm an easy mark for something like this, but when Kamala is up there talking about being the first female vice president. And they cut to a little girl in the audience. Mm-hmm. Yep, that was I, the moment. I lost it, dude. <laughs> I was ugly, ugly crying. Like just everything started coming out of me. The past four years of pent up anxiety, I just, I just let it rip. I actually had to like reel it in a little bit because I, I, it was like so much, like so much emotion, and it continued on with with Joe Biden's yeah. speech too. When Joe Biden, because I was tearing up a bit during Kamala's speech, and then when Joe comes jogging out yes. onto the stage, oh. I clapped at my TV screen. <laughs> Me and Gaia stood up and clapped at the TV, and I was like, "Man, is this where we're at now? That we're I just love it, dude. we're just applauding a guy for <laughs> jogging onto the stage with a smile on his face, and then just, like wandering around the stage <laughs> after." His no, so. <laughs> Two quick things. Uh, one, I don't know if anybody else had the same reaction, but uh, when the first firewa- firework went off and it doesn't show the firework, you just hear the boom and Joe Biden and um, uh, Kamala's husband yeah. reaction to it where they just like both jumped. I was really scared that one of them got shot. Um, I, very- I, <laughs> the second that that boom went off was right when I was clicking away from the broadcast and it took me like 30 seconds to get back to it. And there was a moment when me and Rumin of the pod Nate genuinely thought like oh my god like something horrible just happened um anyway election Um, over one other quick uh shout out to friend of the pod adam because we were talking about wolf blitzer earlier who uh (laughs) said the best thing cnn ever did was let wolf blitzer cameo in mission impossible fallout and i agree with that i'm curious if if uh you know we're not a political podcast but if we should just just touch base a little in a little while to see if like this coup by the republican party is going to work (laughs) <laughs> and what we think of it uh we'll see we'll see what's not going to work but it is going to be a thing that galvanizes the base yeah. like it's going to make them for years be like this is a fake presidency this isn't happening anyway let's get to catch up yeah quick let's yeah let's burn through this all right so um quickly uh just want to uh say that i thanks to uh other friend of the pod harry uh said a couple days ago in our group chat that he had never seen Die Hard and that he was watching it for the first time uh, which was uh, appalling to all of us that he had not seen Die Hard because it's like one of the classics but I did realize I haven't seen this movie in probably close to a decade at this point oh, wow. like, it had been a really long time it had been since high school since I saw this movie so I uh, went back and watched 1988's John McTiernan masterpiece um, 
This is just like straight up one of the greatest action movies ever made. Stone Cold. Yeah, classic. it's my pick for the best eighties action movie. For sure. I I think that it just really like it is everything about it's like executed perfectly. It's really funny. Yep. And like not unintentional comedy. Like it's actually meant to be funny. Yeah. Um. Bruce Willis is perfect. Bruce Willis is so good. Alan Rickman is fucking great. Legend. With just an iconic uh bad guy role like Hans Gruber. You cannot. Hans Gruber is just like in the lexicon because of his performance in this movie a lot of this movie is in the lexicon like nakatomi plaza yeah you know like there's there's just so much to hold on to here all the quotes obviously um also i will say um i don't care what name like this is a hundred percent like a christmas movie yeah like christmas not just because it takes place at christmas christmas is like central to the plot of this movie yeah, also, just any movie you watch during Christmas is a Christmas movie. There's no need to fight about this. Look, Drew, I'm ready to fight you about this. No, um, I know. I'm, I'm over this whole argument of, like, Die Hard is, like, literally, like, dude, it's not Die Christmas Hard's today. my favorite Christmas like, movie. Like, why do you, why? It's it, a Hanukkah movie. It doesn't matter. You can just, like, put it on, man. <laughs> it's a movie. No, I, I just wanted to give that a shout out. It's on HBO Max, so, like, anybody can watch it. I had it in my queue since HBO Max got launched, but I just hadn't got around mm. to it. The Tree of Life is a Christmas movie because a lot of Christmases happen over the course of the movie. Dude. <laughs> Boyhood is my favorite Christmas yeah, like, movie. <laughs> uh, real quick, uh, here's a rough ranking of 80s movies. I have Die Hard at number seven for the decade. Um, is this action or all 80s movies? It's it's just a rough decade ranking. It's, this is not my official ranking. It's just it's just what I have on my letterbox as a, as a rough ranking. Uh, you have I, Aliens at number one? actually put uh that at number two i put raiders at number one. Oh, that's a good yeah. yeah yeah then shining at three do the right thing at four blade runner at five and empire strikes back at six they're all up there yeah yeah and there's i'd hard. say every one of those is like a perfect masterpiece good shit uh next up uh one movie that i had not seen before that was been been on my queue for forever is 2009 coen brothers film a serious man um their follow-up, direct follow-up to No Country for Old Men, I believe. Oh, wow. Yeah, 2009. So, I mean, I don't think they put anything out in the year between. Um, this is, like, unabashedly the most Jewish movie ever made. It's insane. And I love everything about that. It's about Michael Stuhlbarg uh, is this kind of middle-aged professor who's... <laughs> kind of just a guy who just lets life happen to him and around him kind of a um, beta yeah kind just a beta a, the ultimate beta dude yeah, literally is, and his wife <laughs> his wife is just like leaving him and he's just like i i don't want her to leave me but she often knows best about these things oh, um yeah so this is like this is classic cohen like gen x or existentialism it's yes but it's a period piece yeah it's mm-hmm. set during the so, 1960s mm-hmm. um it really they, it's so funny it's dude, like one of the funniest it's Brothers movie. like it's really funny it does actually have like some very poignant things to say yeah. too like about this, life dude yeah it's just about life the and purpose about of life if you are spending all of your time asking the questions of life what will that do to you like you're never going to find anything satisfying at the other end of the rail of the rainbow if you're obsessed with with trying to get to the meaning of everything are you really experiencing the meaning yeah exactly um the whole cast is filled with just like some of like the great uh jewish 
actors of our time. Um, Fred Melamed, who plays Cy Abelman, Cy Abelman is just incredible. He's the guy who's just who his wife is fucking and leaving him. And he's just yet like so calm Mm -hmm. and so charming that you like (laughs) Michael Stubarg, like can't even really be mad at him directly. It's great. Richard Kind is in here with a sebaceous cyst that he has to suck all the fluid out of constantly. That right there is two of the like five greatest Jewish actors ever. Like in terms of like being Jewish on screen. (laughs) It's just not like secret Jewish. I it's so good. It's it's fucking incredible. It's immediately like one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies. I'm mad that I had not seen it before now. Well, the the Judaism of it doesn't stop there. Because my favorite scene in the movie takes place during a, um, what do you call that? Like a, a confirmation? The bar mitzvah? Yeah. Scene? Yeah. Where um, uh, a child is high during their bar mitzvah scene. <laughs> One of the best depictions of being high that I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> it's it's so uh, precise. You're going to need the iced tea. Dude, like the camera angles, the the sort of out of focus, like soft lens that they have on him, the makeup that they put on his eyes, the sound design of the scene. Mm. It's it's so, so perfect. Yeah, I, I it's on Netflix right now, so anybody can watch it. Um, it's it's fucking incredible. It's right up there with the best stuff that the Coens have ever done. I mean, it's a lot lighter than. Because I feel like there's there's really like kind of two sides to Cohen's. It's whenever they choose to go more dramatic route with no country or even something like uh, Inside Lewin Davis. And then there is their more lighter comedic side with things like Big Lebowski and now and A Serious Man and Hail Caesar, too. They all have that very uh, cynical lens on the world. They actually did put out a movie between this and No Country. Oh, what did they put Bur- out? Between- Burn After Reading. Oh, Burn After Reading. That's mm-hmm. another great movie. Yeah, I, I, it's tough to decide, like, because of that approach that they have, where they kind of do have the more sort of, quote-unquote, serious versus the more, quote-unquote, like, comedic. It's kind of hard for me to decide like which ones I like better, but I do think Burn After Reading is one of my favorites. Burn After, I, I, I mean, love that movie. Burn After Reading is also like incredible. Like that is, they just the Coens are just like, I mean, they're some of the best, uh, two of the best screenwriters slash directors of our time. Like without a doubt, when you have that many masterpieces on your hand, it's just yeah, it's they, insane. They rule. Um, one last thing. Um. We have, I don't know, have we ever talked about Eric Andre on this podcast? I mean, he's definitely come up. But like about his show. The I don't show know has been off did. the air the entire time that we've been doing yeah, this Yeah, because we started this in 2017 yeah. and he... That sucks, man. That's so sad. Got, Eric Andre is back. He's Season back, five dude. is here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's... Time to deliver a pizza ball. It's literally, it's just, it's... <laughs> 
like the show doesn't skip a beat like there isn't uh there isn't any kind of drop off in between seasons this season i love and it fills me with as much joy as any of the other previous seasons yeah this is gonna sound stupid but don't spoil too much even though it's the Eric <laughs> it's an unspoiled it's, it's un- <laughs> i know but just don't tell me too much i really just want to watch it no i mean they they do like kind of build on some other bits that they've created in past uh seasons like uh there's a bird up bit that i won't directly spoil uh how that goes Um, oh one thing i i will say speaking of uh uh judaism uh he really plays up his jewish side Mm -hmm. in this season he's really leaning into that in like the oddest ways (laughs) it's so random it's almost like sasha baron cohen where you see it and you're like that's grossly offensive to the jewish culture and it's like well he is jewish so i mean Mm -hmm. you know he's channeling it man (laughs) um No, I mean, this is uh, very obviously not a show for everyone. Um, This is it's on Adult Swim and they're like 12 minute episodes. So you can guess that it has a uh, very uh, schizophrenic pace to it. Yeah, it's it's unreal, dude. It makes you feel like you're on a cocktail of drugs when you're watching it. I mean, it's just it's the best. I fucking love yeah. this show. I just I binge through the seven episodes that have been released uh, so far, because like I said, they are like 10 to 13 minutes each. So mm-hmm. you can just kind of put them on one after another. And this show fills me with more joy than just about anything else that's on television, even if it isn't the quote unquote best Um Right. I actually put this on like the night that or that Sunday, whenever the Trebek news came out, because I was just like, I just need something that I can just like smile and just kind of forget who I am as a person for two hours. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is perfect. Apparently, for that. Um, they wrap filming right under the wire before the the pandemic lockdown in um, March. Yeah. Like they got it right under there. Um. I won't reveal anything, but one of the craziest things about this show is the people that they get for the shortest fucking cameos. Yeah. They'll be on screen <laughs> oh for God. like maybe five seconds. And it's like, wait, what that is that literally that person? And it is. And then you don't see them again. Yeah. Yeah. This I must I think they still shoot in New York after all these years. And I think that's why, because you can just kind of get someone if they're in like a little New York press tour, you can just get them to stop by. It's great. It, very excited. Um, I have a lot. I have three non-recommends that I'll just breeze through. The first is a weird little double feature I did because I've been quarantined the past like 10 days or so, like a couple weeks, I guess. Um, and I was just I was catching up on just mountains and mountains of work. So I didn't want to watch anything too good. Um, so I did this weird little double feature with my girlfriend, uh, because the movie Yes, God, Yes, has been pushed so hard by Netflix um, this is it's a it's a new like high school movie starring Natalia Dyer from Stranger Things. I heard this was a little bit of like a festival darling last year. Yeah. Um, but it's so and it's about, uh, you know, sexuality and Christianity in high school and how they mix. And that this movie reminded my girlfriend, Anna, of another movie called Saved. Have you guys heard of that movie? No. No. So we watched Saved first, actually. It is a 2004 uh, high school movie that oh has. 
it has a lot of DNA shared with like Mean Girls, which came out in the same year. This looks rough. And it was obviously <laughs> completely, you know, it was destroyed by by Mean Girls. It has, you know, it has a lot of the common tropes of high school movies from the 90s leading up to Mean Girls. Um, so hey, there's of, some good casting here. Jenna Malone, Jim Milani, well, uh, that's the Mandy th- Moore. That's the thing about the movie. It has the bones of a good movie. It just kind of falls apart in certain ways. Um, it's because it takes place at a Christian school and it's about like a devout Christian sort of reckoning with her faith because she is she is like dead ass, like super Christian. And she has this boyfriend who uh, reveals to her that he's gay. And so she tries to do basically she tries to do like one on one conversion therapy with him, which eventually leads to her fucking him and getting pregnant, which is juicy as fuck. Right. Like that actually is a great like plot point. So she she, the whole movie is about her reckoning with the fact that a her boyfriend is straight up like sent to like a conversion camp uh, and is obviously gay. And she is dealing with a secret pregnancy. Um, Mandy Moore plays like the mean girl of the group. Uh, Macaulay Culkin pl- plays a guy in a wheelchair. <laughs> nice. The, the uh, kind of like goth little brother of Mandy Moore's character who is like she's evil in that she is just dead set on uh, promoting Christianity like by whatever means possible and often to promote like her own standing which again that's an interesting you know intersection of character types um, and the movie has a lot of that it has a lot of like small personal moments that I think work well but like I said I think that it's really poorly directed um, it's directed by the guy who also co-wrote it Brian Dennelly and I really uh sadly i think he just did a piss poor job with it it's ugly it's not good looking uh pacing wise it's bad and there's sort of what i guess you would call a climax that just does not feel like a climax and i think it's mostly because of the direction of the action of the climax so it just sort of fizzles out um that's 2004 for you yeah saved with an exclamation point and then saved so it, it was a fun double feature, though, to compare and contrast like where like where movies have gone, because these are both kind of like archetypical high school movies for their time periods. This Yes, God, Yes, it came out last year. I've seen it one million times on my Netflix as like the main tile or just like, dude, your algorithm is it sucks. It's jacked. <laughs> um, and this is so this is written and directed by Karen Maine, who has written uh she wrote obvious child which is by all accounts mm, a good movie great movie this is her directorial debut and this is another i think like to be honest bad directing job um the pacing of this movie is baffling it is absolutely baffling to me where most of it is snail's pace like you would you would call it cringe i guess like like really just uncomfortable because we're dealing with just almost nonstop close-ups on Natalia Dyer. She is carrying the whole movie. It's all her, really. Um, and I think that she does a good job. She yeah, has, she's talented. She's, mm-hmm. I like her. She's compelling to look at. Like, she just has, like, a very strange, interesting face. <laughs> like, just weird, like, actor head, you know? Yeah, those just big eyes. Giant fucking head. Um, and she, to me, did a solid job with the material. But the material was this, like, snail's pace just watching her do things and yet and then there will be these dialogue dump scenes where it is the fastest talking you've ever heard and then it'll cut back to a scene with her 
at the slowest like it's whiplash it's it was just so poorly executed tim simons from veep who's very funny uh pl- has probably the second most speaking time in the movie as this uh this pastor for this high school who you know they they go on a retreat and she is it's also a period piece uh set in the early 2000s so she's getting on aol and like discovering sex basically ladybird energy again well, also a lot of pen 15 energy to me like right. this, okay. this kind of strikes me as like banking on that algorithm yes. that like pen 15 saw success so they green light this um but this is just so much worse than that in every yeah, single way I'm sure um i i really just like the the again the bones of it are there where you could have like a very cringy movie about a super christian girl in the early 2000s when it was like acceptable it, it was more realistic to truly be in like late high school and not know anything about sex nowadays that I don't think even in a Christian school, that's just not realistic, you know? Yeah. Cause the you internet, just, that's yeah. why you have to set it at that time. Exactly. And this is, I think semi autobiographical for Karen main. She also wrote this. Um, but it just, it just like nothing. It's just kind of nothing. Like nothing is happening. Good old Netflix. It's really, it's, that's, that's, it is kind of surprising. I have like just seen in general, just from like, I mean, grand, like Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that is like 94, but that means nothing. But just like most people seem to just be like, yeah, this was a fun little movie. Oh, it's not even, it's not even a Netflix original. Yeah. It was um, just, it was bought by it. It was like at uh, festivals and stuff like that. It's, it's just a pacing like disaster. It's a, and a lot of other components of it are done well enough. Like it's not poorly directed in any other way. It's just like the, the time we're spending on certain things is just a fucking train wreck. Um, Don't recommend either of these movies. They're both not like bad. I don't, I wouldn't say they're both just like startlingly average. Like they, the, the horrible and the good kind of average out to be. That's what Netflix thrives on, man. Yeah. Speaking of which, I watched 21 Bridges. <laughs> I didn't even realize this was on Netflix. It, I don't think it is. It's not. I don't yeah. remember where I even watched it. Maybe Hulu, maybe Amazon. It's on Hulu. Um, oh, it's on Hulu with something. One of one of Chadwick. Oh, Showtime, I think you need to have. Yeah. Um, one of Chadwick's last movies. He is very visibly thin in it. And it's like kind of tough. Oh, and, man, you know, it's, it's a tough hanging points because you really do feel for him. Um, because this role does, I think, require uh, more than he was in a state to give. And that's yeah. not his fucking fault. He was sick, you know? man. This movie, as far as I could uh, could tell from research, the script had been sort of in production limbo for like three or four years. I would have guessed like 20 years because this this is just such like a like this is really coming out now. <laughs> it's that kind of movie. It's because it's like, a, you know, it's a cop movie that it has like really a really stupid action movie premise of shutting down Manhattan because uh, just because two people uh, killed some cops mm-hmm. that they <laughs> shut down the biggest epicenter of population in America. They don't let anyone leave. It's like, we're going to do inside man, but we're going to do it outside. Ex- yeah, it's outside man. <laughs> outside man. <laughs> It's outside, comma, man. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just fucking like it seems like a Denzel role. Like it seems like it was Mm -hmm. written to be Denzel because it has to be a cop that you like. And he's one of the only people who could pull that off in my mind, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, 
JK Simmons is here, Sienna Miller's here, and just a fucking horrendous role that sucks shit. Um <laughs> Taylor Kitsch. Really, I think Man, the Taylor Kitsch. I guess the the performance that really stuck out to me as like what you could call a breakout was um Stefan James. I think you pronounce Dude, it Stefan. Yes. 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 Yes, he, we have been we've been singing his praise from Beale Street. I and, know, yeah, and, in, homecoming. and homecoming, like, dude, he, he is, is incredible so in he, homecoming. Well, he's sort of in certain ways uh, taking, like, even you know, pre uh, Chadwick passing, he sort of has taken the baton mm-hmm. um, for for playing these like very weighty uh, black history roles because he also played Jesse Owens in a movie mm-hmm. in a in a biopic, and he was really really good. Like he. His part again was was stupid because this is a stupid movie. But he's playing the one of the two guys where like this robbery went wrong and a bunch of cops ended up dead. And he is truly struggling because he it, w- isn't cut out for this this manhunt where like everyone on earth is searching for him and he's not even like that bad of a dude. Um, so and he I I I was really compelled anytime he was on screen. I I really liked him. Chadwick was still compelling. Um, and he and particularly these two characters interacting by phone or whatever was was solid stuff um because you know that is even though it's been done a million times like cop you know cop interacting with criminal and like kind of getting each other's heads it that's what qualifies as nuance in this movie (laughs) um so so according to wikipedia it says that when this movie was originally announced it was known under the title 17 bridges yeah <laughs> and then so what's, they're like what's no going we need on? four more bridges <laughs> they they focus grouped it <laughs> they're like not enough bridges yeah the focus group was like i don't just pull them out of fucking thin air i don't care i need 21 <laughs> um really just a, a dumb movie legitimately i think the only like good thing of this movie was the end which is strange because usually these movies have horrible endings but this had like a pretty weighty um well-constructed end to it that i did not see coming and it ends like on such like a uh melancholy like bitter note and i i really really like that because you would think that this would just somehow end with everything being okay and it doesn't and that was Mm. good uh does it end on a bridge <laughs> no. On the twenty second. How bridge. many bridges do we see? In really, the movie? we don't Did see you many. Clock them. We we there's no more than like three or four. Huh. I know. So not even close to. Well, 21. we see overheads of a billion of them. Um, Lee, do you want to play my game? Oh God, <laughs> I was just here to listen because I'm lonely. Well, you have one more thing to talk. Yeah, about I have one more. But Lee, you should play my game that I've come up with. Um, I watched Michael Clayton and Michael Clayton is a very good movie. I watched it last, mm-hmm. last night. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to put on Michael Clayton. <laughs> and I as do, you do, I really don't know why it just like came into my head. I was like, this is a Michael Clayton. I, night. I did that last year and then I fell asleep mm. and I need to revisit it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of a tougher hang at home than it would be in the theater because it is very dense. There's a lot to keep track of. And so you do need to pay attention, but it does pay off very well. If you do pay attention, um, this is a legal thriller starring Clunebag, the the king, looking yeah. looking just absolutely hot as hell. Silver mm-hmm. Fox, yeah, he's looking good in this movie. He's playing a forty five year this old. Is like, I think he was a great, a good deal I, older than that. I think that this is like one of the hottest that George Clooney has ever been in a movie. Yeah, like late stage Clooney. Yeah, he's also he's a fox. He's also just good. He was the sexiest on Golden Girls. I uh, on Golden Girls. Yeah, that was his breakout role. No, are thought, you thinking of ER? What about no, ER? ER? Golden Girls. Yo, look him up. What is he like? Fuck Blanche. He's like, he's like <laughs> our age. 
Wow. I, so um, he's really great. I kind of wish he had done more movies like this where they just kind of revolve around him maneuvering like his job because he's very he's just good. In this is the closest he was ever going to get to an Oscar, yeah. unfortunately. He, yeah. And he was going up against the fucking buzzsaw that was <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis and, and there right, will I'm, be blood. I'm pulling up a photo of George Clooney on the Golden Girls uh, television program. That wow. hair, man. Looking poofy. <laughs> This, I, I gotta say he has aged into his uh um to his look yeah, yeah. definitely but He's so aged like fine wine this movie hinges around uh a man named michael clayton if you would believe it oh played by that explains yeah it. george clooney he is he works for a law firm as their fixer he's who, like a cleanup guy yeah mm-hmm. he comes in and he does like the dirty work to cover up like lawsuits or allegations or like you know pr disasters sort of like scandal-esque um and the the thing that he is mainly covering up in this movie is like i think the ceo of a massive like multi-billion dollar company is is mentally like breaking down he's gone insane he's off meds played by Tom Wilkinson, uh, who is a Brit. And I think that one of the triumphs of this movie is how well-written this uh, man going insane was. Because it obviously isn't... It's heightened because the whole movie is heightened. It's not how an actual insane person would <laughs> would unfold. But it also has a level of poetry to... Like, when he goes on these long monologues, you do buy, uh, like, the one layer removed from reality right leading to two layers to three layers where he is just fully gone at points that i thought was very well handled regardless of if it's like sim you know if it's uh it's sympathetic enough to real mental illness i'm not here to you know litigate that but tom wilkinson i thought was really really great he has because probably he's british he does have a bit of uh actor speak where he is enunciating a lot but that's just how some movies be michael clayton (laughs) yeah i uh did want to say a great uh, double feature uh, between this is uh, I mean Sidney Pollock is in this movie as well um, and it's not a Sidney Pollock film but he was uh, a big fan of it but it was back in the 70s network mm-hmm. very similar uh, kind of vibes to it where it is in the case of network it is a like nighttime television host who's kind of going off the deep end and yeah. says that he's going to kill himself on live television. And, the, and these are both very talky movies. Yes. Very, very talky. A lot of discussions. Um, yeah. No, I, I really love this movie a lot. Like yeah. this movie, it's kind of, it is, you're right. That it is dense, but it's really fun. Too. Yeah. It to- if Tony you Gilroy attention, is you'll good look- at, yeah, Tony. Because Gil- yeah, this Tony Gilroy has written a ton of like in- extremely important movies. He wrote all the Bourne movies. Um, this was his directorial debut, and he actually directed the fuck out of this movie. Mm-hmm. It's very well directed. There are some long takes that are not, uh, they're not annoying. They're not show offy. They are just really, really. It's good visual storytelling when like the movie doesn't necessarily need it, but it just makes it better. You know. So I yeah, that's a good movie. I recommend it. But, it's on HBO Max, right? Yes. Uh, also, if you have, yeah, if you have, I watched it with Amazon Prime because I have HBO lumped in through there. There you go. Mm-hmm. But it's time to get to. I'm really excited, guys. Dun, 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 Should I get another glass of wine before this? Yeah, do yeah I need to be Do I need to be crystal clear for this game? I don't, you, do what you think will help your performance. This isn't based on trivia at all. Okay. This all right. game is not. It's based on 
sussing me out and whether or not I'm lying to you, to your face. Okay. So are we playing, would I lie to you? Are you guys familiar with? Do I need to close my laptop? No. Well, is this a? Is this a I trust you. Offline. If I see you really zooming around, I'm gonna okay. get fucking mad. Have you guys heard of the streaming service Tubi before? Yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> oh God. Here we go. So you've been on there. Yeah, I've watched a bunch of stuff on Tubi. That might help you, unfortunately. Okay. With this, <laughs> Tubi is really fascinating because it is free, right, Hunter? Yep. It's a free streaming free with service. Ads. Yeah, with ads, but a lot, so so many of the titles that end up on Tubi sound entirely made up right oh, yes it's oh i it's, know where you're going with yeah this, this is it's movies with a-list stars that came out recently that like people like us should have like heard of except they were produced and then the studio very likely just realized that it was nothing and sent it straight to on demand like they these are movies that didn't even warrant a theatrical run even though they were made to be in theaters um and the synopsis Whoever writes the synopses on this uh, on Tubi is really they're really great because they really do just stick to kind of the log line mm. like they they and it sounds like a movie. It just sounds like a movie that would be in maybe 30 Rock, you know, just like it sounds like made up shit. So what if <laughs> I asked you, I gave you two titles and log lines and casts. Oh, this is great. And you had to guess which one was real and which one I had come up with okay. entirely. This, ladies and gentlemen, is to be or not to be. Oh. <laughs> All right. I love this. <laughs> this is great. There will be five rounds. That's actually pretty clever. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Lee, that was, I don't want to give it to you. It's I know, actually was, pretty clever. You said that so, through like a furious mouth. I'm so angry at you because you're so smart, but yet I hate you but love you at I, the same time. I was really, really proud when I came up with that, so I don't even need your approval here, Lee. But thank you for Honestly, that. Honestly, that name, like we don't even need to play the game. I, just I know. Yeah. Just for that All name. right, thanks for listening. Bye. So there are five rounds. I think from the people I've focus grouped this with, I think I did a solid job with focus grouped. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're like, I don't know how much it's going to help you that you, you have been on Tubi. I don't before. know. I was on, I was browsing Tubi earlier today. So, so we'll start with action comedies. Are you sure it's not called tubby? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I have two action comedies here. One is real. One is fake. Okay. Okay. I'll give you title logline cast. The first one is called the rube. Okay. How, how do you spell that? R-U-B-E. The Rube. Like someone who is like like the mob would call like a dummy. Someone you could trick, right? Gotcha. A grizzled mob boss, played by Harvey Keitel, is sent on a wild goose chase when he realizes that his daughter's puppy has eaten one of the most valuable jewels in the world. His daughter is played by Abby Cornish. This is sort of a road action comedy, but he's a mob boss, so we have... You know, we have more action coming into it than just like being on the road and chasing. But it is more lighthearted from what I can tell than your average. Can we get the comedy. year? Uh, it is within the last five years. And so is the next movie I'm going to bring up. Okay. This movie is called Home Sweet Hell. <laughs> when a successful businessman played by Patrick Wilson, the forehead legend, who seems to have it all cheats on his obsessive controlling wife played by Catherine Heigl their fairy tale life becomes a horror story so this veers a little more horror than action but what's the name of it again home sweet hell An another uh, tidbit for this one is their neighbor is played by Jim Belushi 
of a corny jump. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Home Sweet Hell as the fake one. Lee. Oh, I thought that was a real one. Home so Sweet Hell. So is you the think real that's one? the real it's, one? You think the rube it's is easier. the fake? Yeah, I think the rube is the fake. Okay. okay. I Hunter? think people have seen that and they're <sighs> over it. Man, this is tough. Both of those sound like classic 2B movies. <laughs> right? <laughs> either way, like I'd be surprised if I, either one doesn't exist. I feel like I'm gonna go like, with Home Sweet Hell as the real one. Hold, before you before you re- reveal it, I just want to yeah. say I feel like Patrick Wilson is the go-to to be guy. Yeah, well, but, but Harvey Keitel him. is now yeah, at this point. Exactly, but I'm career. voting against him because I just I I feel like you you're preying on Patrick Wilson's tubiness. I'm just I'm I have no idea who any of those people are. <laughs> I'm just going off of the concept and how pitching that to someone who would actually fund it would I have to be a sell. And so, like, I'm like, what would actually be a sell in today's world where, like, everything's been done? So it has to have some kind of, like, a, a gimmick, like a hook to it. I don't know. But so the rube, like, they, the, the the dog, like, eats a eats a jewel. No, that's, like, really. I, I'm going to tell go, me. Down. I think the rube is the real one. I think you. Yeah, all right. I'm, Hunter, I'm sticking with my original. Hunter prediction. and Lee, you are correct. Ernie, you are wrong. I made up the rube. I should have fucking <laughs> known Patrick Wilson, dude. God, He's, of course. Uh, Harvey Keitel is a good throw off, though, because he is at this stage of his career. He is a straight to two B guy. We win. Um. Well, there's more rounds. Yeah. So. Yeah, but like each round, there should be a prize. <laughs> each round, you want a prize? <laughs> I don't have a prize for any round. <laughs> the next category is stoner comedies. Okay. Good luck with this one because the real one, they both just sound like nothing to me. Yeah. I think this is a solid one for me. The first one is called Smoked Out. Okay. When a bookish high school senior ends up in a group project with the school's burnout drug dealer, he realizes there's tons of money to be made and just as much risk if they join forces so this is like the nerd pairing up with the dealer mm-hmm. to like very yeah, uh it's like a high school breaking bad yes the only person of note in this movie is the guy who played like the nerdy kid in the office like season nine the guy with the kid with glasses who's in hot tub time hot machine. Tub time machine that guy every every other person in this movie is no one <laughs> okay, um right. these these are both movies that, is it office era or is it more current both of these movies uh are like mid 2010s okay the next one is called sex pot <laughs> two stoners stumble upon a hoard of weed that works as an aphrodisiac making all women who come into contact with it incredibly aroused this movie is starring the guy who played plop oh <laughs> oh i see why you paired these two together okay so what was the name of the first one? Smoked Out. Smoked Out versus Smoke Pot? Versus Sex Pot. I'm going sex with pot. Sex Pot being real. Mostly because I want it to be real. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Sex Pot is fake because, listeners, you don't know this, but Drew had a little smirk on his face while he was reading the logline, and no, I could tell that he had... a smirk on his face. I could tell that he was really proud of how he came up with that one, so okay. I'm going to go with Sex Pot. What, what do you think, Lee? I think Sex Pot is fake just because I feel like that would be a really good porno. Mm-hmm. And we all know you don't watch pornos because you're a good boy. Sex pot is real. Yes, there we go. I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> Firing up Tubi TV, baby. I made up Smoked Out, which to me sounds like way more of a movie than Sex yes, Pot. That's <laughs> you guys don't. I have okay. been on Tubi. Now that we know that Drew is going to try to um, 
fuck us over by actually coming up with better concepts. <laughs> he's not going to try to meet the idea at its level and create another stupid thing. He's going to well, try to create better things to throw us off so we all go for the better thing. Here's the thing, though. I anticipated that idea. I really tried to mix it up with like how good my ideas are because some of the ideas on Tubi are so bad yeah. that they have to be matched with a horrible exactly. idea. Can we talk about Tubi it's too real obvious. quick? Like, who funded this streaming I, service? I think like, it's where Fox. Did it... it's, fo it's free, though. It's all free with ads so there are like some classics that go to Tubi. yeah like right now you can watch donnie darko on Tubi yeah free with that there's certain good things also like the show mxc is on there the mm -hmm. old spike tv like japanese game show show which rocks it's are, awesome is there like um a funding mechanism that's trying to break streaming services so they're trying to create free alternatives to completely water I down the industry i'd say more than anything this is just a straight up dumping ground yeah where like yeah services like netflix are sort of trying to cut back on buying like straight to vod movies that suck shit like this but like they have to go somewhere mm -hmm. so yeah. like why not go here they go here and at least the company the production companies will get the ad revenue yeah i think it. yeah i think it's just it, it was probably started by vc where they realized that a lot of these movies are dirt cheap because the studio actively doesn't want anyone to know about them because it's, it's like so a bad. it's like a red box yeah. yeah so currently hunter you have two points mm -hmm. lee you have one ernie zip not on the board yet <laughs> how many rounds are left three more okay all right i can make a comeback absolutely here the next category is rom-coms okay the first one is called management when a traveling saleswoman meets a lonely motel manager, they have a one night stand, but he decides to pursue her and change both of their lives. Uh, the traveling saleswoman is played by Jennifer Aniston. So big name. The lonely motel manager is played by Steve Zahn. Okay. okay. Um, these, this is last seven years. Both of these are last seven years. Okay. The next one is called no contest. An ascending attorney has her priorities in order until she falls for her client, a defendant facing serious charges. This is uh, starring Kerry Washington as the attorney, another big name. And then I didn't even look up this dude's name. I hold on. It's the dude who plays like the straight face in MacGruber, the former like heartthrob, you know? Oh, Ryan Phillippe. Ryan Phillippe. Yeah. I, I yeah, didn't write that one down. But yeah, Kerry Washington and Ryan Phillippe, Phillippe as like the criminal who's like facing some kind of charge. What are the titles of the movies again? Management and No Contest. Mm. Jen Jennifer Aniston and Z and Steve Zahn versus Ryan Phillippe and Carrie Washington. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a more to be pairing to have Carrie Washington and Ryan Phillippe. You're focusing too much on the actors. I'm you gotta focus on the concept. log on the on the concepts. Well, what That's are you thinking, the... Hunter? I, I I feel like Jennifer Aniston I Jennifer Aniston is in a lot of shit. She's in a lot she of shit. She is. She's in a lot of shit. <laughs> so is Kerry Washington at this point, though, too. So, I, I my 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 heart, my guts telling me that Kerry Washington is the is the real one. So I think I'm gonna go with that. Okay. One vote for no contest. Lee, where are you going with this? Damn it! <laughs> you know, because I I want to say because they're both bad. Mm-hmm. But actually, Ernest and I just had a conversation about rom-coms. Like, they're gone. They're gone, and now they're just, like, campy, like, um, uh, yeah, Jennifer Aniston-type films that are kind of trickled in just because they have a big name, but they're... Well, keep the in mind, this. he said this is, like, seven years ago, so... 
within the last might have been years. a different time oh within also i'll go with I, management because i don't think carrie okay. washington she's still trying to like make enough of a name for herself that i think she, she would be a little bit more i i agree with you i'm going also with the jennifer aniston management 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 no contest yes no contest you two are correct. Ernie, you're wrong again. <laughs> yes. Let's go. There's no coming back let's now. Let's fucking go, baby. <laughs> Three to nothing. Three to nothing. Three to zero. <laughs> it's over for me. You're okay. You'll make it. All right. So, uh, feeling good. Hunter with three, all three for three. Lee with two. I, the secret Hunter is hired that bots. I, I've actually, I've actually seen all bots. of these movies that you're saying before already. <laughs> uh, the next one is two movies that I equally didn't like would not believe much like all these there aren't these just unbelievable that these are real like it's nuts to me what happened to rom-coms what happened to them i they're on netflix there's no some, but like some, new like good rom-com yeah netflix budget. is trying to make some like new julia ones. roberts like there's oh, no yeah. new julia roberts out there no, that has not. like the rom-com like, no industry. there's like it's like crazy rich asians had a huge budget um I, I liked it. I didn't love it. I liked, I just liked that they made a big budget rom-com because I, I agree. I love big budget rom-coms mm-hmm. when they're good. Yep. Like, I think they just kind of died when certain movies like uh, Crazy Stupid Love or like uh, 500 Days of Summer, they sort of almost were like parodies of rom-coms while still being rom-coms, yeah. like where they yeah. just put it all together. And it was like, well, what do you do past that? Like, what do you really do with the rom-com? It's all been it's done. over. Anyway. You're trying to tell me that they came together, killed the genre. <laughs> yeah. In my dreams, it did. Uh, the next category is broad comedies. So just sort of general comedies. All right. The first one is called ideal home. This is uh, uh, the logline is a bickering gay couples self-indulgent lifestyle is turned upside down when the 10 year old grandson they never knew existed crashes their party. This is starring. Get ready. This is starring Paul Rudd and Steve Coogan as the bickering gay couple who have a grandson true this both of these movies are from the past three years these are very recent movies what's okay. the name of it ideal home the next movie is called southbound a high-strung city slicker will jump through any hoop to get the inside track on a big promotion he regrets his own ambitions when his eccentric ceo asks him to prove himself by spending a month as a ranch hand in the ceo's backwoods home of bland kentucky the ceo is morgan freeman this is the last three years. The lead is Josh Duhamel. <laughs> this is the last three years. <laughs> the love interest that he meets like on this ranch and obviously falls for is Carrie Underwood making like a turn into acting. She's done some acting stuff before. And the uh, the farmer, like the lead farmer at this ranch, whose daughter is, of course, Carrie Underwood, is John Goodman. Oh, my God. Oh, well, can they pull that kind of weight? Every everything I've picked so far has been wrong, so I should just pick something opposite of what of what I'm feeling. Because I'm feeling like Drew made up the Steve Coogan Paul Rudd one, but I'm just gonna flip around and say that that's the Tubi one. I I don't know. Steve Coogan has to like cash them checks in between all the trips to Italy and trips to French France movies. Um. <sighs> Because, I mean, that concept has, has worked one other time. I can't remember the name of the movie, but the guy from V for Vendetta. What's his name? Uh, Hugo Weaving? He was in a movie where he played a drag queen and met his son for the like first time. 
and it was like a huge movie for like the LGBTQ community. Um, I can't remember what it's called. I'm, I'm so sorry. But moral of the story there is that that concept of like someone who is in a committed gay relationship having someone that they spawned mm-hmm. come into their life and trying to assimilate to that is like it's a it's a gold mine. Well, also for money. The idea of it is something that would have been greenlit in the last few years. As opposed mm-hmm. to the other one sounded like a Hallmark movie that I've seen before. The, yeah, the other one is the type of movie that would get greenlit any year. It still gets greenlit. It was greenlit 20 years ago. It's just yeah. like a, a movie. They're, but they're both things that could get greenlit. You said the, the second one's called years. Southbound? Southbound. Because I feel like I've heard of the movie Southbound before, but I don't think it's that movie But that I feel like describing. all those actors are like washed up actors that would like want an opportunity to do something right now you know what in the past three years i'm going just because i just want to see it i want to see paul rudd and steve coogan be gay together (laughs) i'm going with ideal home being the real movie there we go i think southbound is real (laughs) ernie you're on the board yes yeah four for four baby let's fucking go god damn it hunter Hunter has seen all of this i should have known better like they can't they they're probably they don't have the budget yeah, budget. Carrie Underwood and Carrie John Underwood. Goodman in yeah. supporting and roles. John Goodman, like I should have known. I just better. I thought Josh Duhamel was a great Tubi I'm guy. Just, Josh Duhamel, that's like, a really good. I'm just like, where's John Goodman right now? Same with Ryan Philippe. Cause, cause he's after, doing. He's um, on the Connors. Because after John Goodman was on the Roseanne reboot, yeah, right? The Connors. Yep. And then after that. I mean, before that, I, he was on the Cloverfield remake. Like, listen, John Goodman was in back-to-back Best Picture winners with the artist in Argo. So don't he was you can't in the say artist. Any. Yeah. What? Yeah, he plays a director and the artist. I forgot that. Yeah. Shout out to John I mean, Goodman. Where has he been? He's my king. For the final round, if you get this correct, you will get three points. Meaning, dear God, Ernie cannot win, but you can tie if you get it right. And Hunter gets it wrong. Okay. okay. Oh, and then I'm shit. fucked or what? No, you, no, could, you win. can win you too. Win oh, you can, win you can outright okay. win if Hunter this. gets it wrong. And even if Ernie gets it right and you get it right, I, you, you didn't still brief win. me in this beforehand. I thought that I clenched it. Because the true, the truest MVP of Tubi, I think, is Nick Cage. He, oh, he's yes. all over it. Oh, and so this is a is double he? cage. And also, well, he's also <laughs> the MVP of this segment because any all of his movies on there sound fake. <laughs> <laughs> They, they are yeah. unbelievable. That these are movies that he would be in and also that would get made, period. City of Angels. These are two movies that I think are equally just insanely absurd, okay? The first one is called Stolen. Uh, if you're thinking that it reminds you of Taken, <laughs> yeah. In New Orleans, a thief just released from prison embarks on a frantic hunt for his daughter who has been abducted and locked in the trunk of a taxi. This is starring Nick Cage and a young Lily Collins. It's from like like most of these mid 2010s. So is the next choice though, which is equally outlandish. It's called Outcast. A veteran warrior is enlisted by the children of a Chinese emperor to overthrow their ruthless brother who murdered their father to seize the throne. So you hear this, you're thinking, oh wow, this is gonna have, you know. Uh, actors of Asian descent, like maybe, maybe like people you want here. No, Nick Cage stars. Um, second, both Nick Cage. Second build in yeah, this. That's the category. Yeah. Second build in this movie the is Hayden Christensen, another oh, guy who's all over. Boy, Tubi. man, that's that's tough. So you mean to tell me that 
both the genre is is Nick Cage. Nick Cage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not even like a. It's just the genre is Nick Cage because he has his own genre at this yep. point from being in so much. He doesn't. Shit he doesn't turn down a role if you can afford his pay rate. He'll do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the first one was a Taken ripoff, and the second one is an Asian kind of. It's unappropriate. Is it a, is it a Stolen heist? Is right. what, what what is Stolen is correct. Well, is the is the is this a trick question and both of them are real? <laughs> no. That's three why points. it's 3 points. 3 points are on the line. <laughs> you can guess that. No. Stolen is right. I, if I'm giving 3 points then maybe there is like a strange answer. I think I think I think it's definitely stolen. Is it neither of them are right? I feel like no. That I, could also be it. I feel like I've I've in my in my perusing of Tubi, I think that stolen has popped up a few times. Stolen. So I'm gonna go stolen. I'm, gonna go stolen. I'm going with this because everybody else did, so I can't lose at this point. No, so I'm also go going with stolen. Us. Be different. I, although I could see the Hayden Christensen one being correct because it's Hayden Christensen, Nick Cage appropriating Asian person. culture. Ernest, I'm going to give you one and a half points because they're both real. Yes, there we go. <laughs> hey, I was going to say both of those well, sound like real points. things. Well, he, he, he didn't three. actually he didn't actually guess. Yeah, he said his final answer did, was stolen. That no, did cross he... your mind, which gives you enough points to take second place. Yeah, you got no, second that's not place. Fair. He should get. He should win. You want? No, to... no I, I, I got lost, it. I got I it. So First of all, answers. I have a problem with this podcast <laughs> because. For some reason, my boyfriend, who runs the podcast, who I painted a fucking table for, never wins any of the games you people play. And I'm really, I really have a problem with Here's it at this thing. point. And I, I actually, I legitimately have a problem with so it at this point. You should take it up with Ernest because he makes so many of these games that he loses. So like, <laughs> Ernest, just I do better. Understand. Do better. Yeah, you have a problem with Ernest. I have a problem with the fact that this whole thing is rigged. You yeah. won the last Jeopardy that I made. You won that. Uh, Lee, yeah. Lee is filing lawsuits he in only, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, yeah. and Nevada. He only wins other podcasts that he guest stars on. This is rigged. I've won the podcast. Everybody knows it. We all know it. Sleepy Hunter is fake. <laughs> Either that or he's going easy on you guys. I do, like, man. I, I do respect you, though, because you did you did clock that they could both be yeah, very real. I mean, I Nick thought, Cage. Man, that's that's perfect. Nick Cage, honestly, Hayden Christensen almost had me go with that one. because he, Hayden Christensen is all over TV. Yes, he and is. it's very sad to see. You didn't say that was an option that both could be Well, that's why I, I was going to give three. And that's why I will give Ernie, like, more than one question's worth of points for it. Because that yeah. is impressive to even You hopped into up. second. That's cute. Yeah. Well, this has been to be or not to be. Yeah. Thanks for tubing in. Probably maybe the best uh, name for an idea I'll ever come up with in my life. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, genuinely. I'm happy for you. Yeah, I want you. We should make this a reoccurring segment. Of yeah. But then you guys will have time to like look at Tubi. I'm not going to. I promise you I'm not going to look at Tubi. Probably I, nobody will. I access Tubi whenever I'm like, because I always just Google whatever movie I'm looking at to see if it's like on Hulu or Netflix or whatever. And it's just like Tubi. And I'm like, yeah, OK. All the Nicolas I guess I'll watch this Cage, with ads. like hardcore Followers are on Tubi, yeah. but uh, we, the Nick people Cage who truthers. don't watch, now speak for yourself. That he does speak for yourself. Do you? Are you? Should we I, do a Nick Cage segment next week? I was really hoping you were going to, for one of the movies, make the uh, like 
Christian. Uh, oh, I can't remember what it's called. It's like one of the lowest rated movies ever. It's like about like a Christian apocalypse thing where like oh. people are disappearing. It's starring oh, Nick Cage. I was like, that's a real movie because I've it's, seen that. It's advertised. the leftovers, <laughs> but so much worse. I watched Face Off for the first time right before COVID, and it was mm, mm, it was banger. a masterpiece. You watched Face Off without me? No, I watched it on an airplane. <laughs> Uh, JetBlue uh, had it. That's right. On, yeah. Nice. And that was exactly how it should be watched. That uh, that's that's a step above all these. These the moral of this is look at Tubi because it is free and you don't even have to watch any of this. But there was a night when me and Colin just like <laughs> looked at it. We were just like on the line with each other talking. And we were looking at it for like two hours because it's fascinating what's on there. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so interesting. You didn't even do like the full all their horror stuff oh, yeah. is like on Schlag. another level. Yeah. It's like stuff that like even Shudder was just like, we're good. <laughs> like a hard pass on that. I yeah, we got to retain a certain level of quality. Yeah. I want to meet. This is where you guys need to diversify because obviously there's a whole following of people who buy into that kind of no, shit. No, it's a dumping so ground. Let's no, but they're making new stuff. They're mm-hmm. making new stuff. People are putting money behind it. We got to get those people on the pod. We got to mm-hmm. figure out mm-hmm. who are those people Ryan from Phillippe, the Ryan come on the pod. Yeah. What are your interests? Hayden Christensen. Why do <laughs> you want to come anything. on in? Why do you watch stuff like this? It's it's very interesting. Another another big part of Tubi that I didn't uh tap into is they have a lot of uh like BET, like TV style movies, like movies that are just generally like love and basketball, African American drama type. Yeah, or like like lighter comedies. Didn't want to make my own of that. <laughs> Didn't want to make up one of those. Wasn't the move. Sure. Oh. Um, but there are so many just like dumped off like Tyler Perry movies on there. It's yeah. just it's so interesting Man. to see what ends up just going straight to VOD or straight to mm-hmm. Tubi. Straight to Tubi is what we should start calling yeah. like movies that that's that's don't the go side podcast. The side podcast is straight to Tubi. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everybody. We got to wrap this baby up. Uh, let us know what you thought of all the things that we talked about. If you've seen any of these Tubi flicks, uh, go ahead and write into the show. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe, donate, anchor.fm slash we bought a mic. Stay safe. Don't be like the crowds at the Clemson Notre Dame game. Please don't rush the please field wear a mask. In, a, um, in a flurry. Don't be like Rudy Giuliani at Total Landscaping in Philadelphia. We didn't even talk about that. The that, perfect uh, that's, button. Excuse, excuse you. It's Four Seasons Total Landscaping. That's right. That's yeah. right. That is. That's one of the crazier. Like that's probably the best thing that's happened. It's an Arrested yeah. Development idea. It's like it's it's, it's Arrested Development. Nathan it's, for it's you. It's Nathan for you. It's the perfect button. Like it it's, couldn't yeah. be better. I didn't believe it when I saw it. <laughs> It's it's kind of unreal. It, that we'll be we'll be telling the tales of Four Seasons Total Landscaping I hope for the rest shirts. of our days. If so, like I really want a Four Seasons Total Landscaping oh, you can, shirt. You can get them online. Hell yes, Dude. I'm excited. Um, thanks for jumping in, Lee. We yeah, uh, love no to have problem. you. No problem. <laughs> Seem angry with me. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, you know we do this for you. We risk our lives for you. We come together. We love to be together. We don't like to do it over Zoom. And we're putting our lives on the line every week for you. Yeah, we do have, like have the technology that we could do it over Zoom, but I we mean, choose not, not to because it's a worse product. No, no, it's because we care about you and we're willing to risk our lives. So for donate, you. bitch. Donate. Mm-hmm. Share the pod. Um. Thanks for listening. Thanks to 
Joe Biden for being a a cool guy. Thanks, Daddy. You go, Joe. Go get him, old Joe. He ran that one time. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Literally. Grandpa Joe. Uh, I let's. I'm hoping Grandpa Joe's fortunes will allow me to grab a PS5 so I can give you an in-depth review of Bug Snacks next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.